Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, thank you. Um, So this morning, we are continuing our series, Look Again at Jesus. And before we start, like Adam was saying, if you hear a loud alarm coming from my direction, don't panic. It's just telling me what my blood sugars are doing, and hopefully it's all fine. If I need to pause and eat jelly babies, I will, but that should not happen, hopefully. (laughs) So some of you know that I grew up in Bristol is a great place to grow up and I like to think that I know my way around Bristol quite well or at least like the area that I live in or that I kind of grew up in and some of you here will also know that I don't have the best sense of direction so if I've ever given you directions I apologize for that Um, but when I go back to Bristol to visit my parents uh, I'll often go for a little walk around the block with my mum and usually I'm like, yep, I know where we're going. But then often we get to a point in the walk where I find myself on a road. And I'm like, I'm not really sure where we are. I don't quite recognize this road. And then it isn't until I get to the end of the road and I see the other roads around us that I'm like, ah, this is where we are. Okay, I get it now. And my mum always laughs at me because apparently I have a bit of a catchphrase on these walks that I always end up going, Oh, here we are. (laughs) And I've been realizing that in lots of ways, that is like my walk with God. That I am like, yeah, I know the gospel. Yeah, I know God loves me. I know, you know, I know the key things. I'm confident in his love for me. And yet so often in life, I find myself um, walking along and thinking, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really know what's going on. I'm a little bit confused. And I can realize I don't actually know God's truth fully in my heart. I just know it in my head. And I need those moments where God speaks to me and reminds me of his heart for me and of who I am and of who he is. And I go, ah, here I am. This is what is going on. (laughs) This is who God is. And so today's message is, in lots of ways, it's a very simple truth. Um, Basically, our title this morning is, I Will Never Cast Out. Um, So we are going to be diving into one Bible verse, uh, because there is a surprising amount that you can say about this one verse. And I really love being able to just dive into one little verse or sentence, probably partly because I studied English at uni. And so I, I remember once I was given an assignment where we had to write a whole essay about one piece of punctuation within a poem. And so I ended up writing, I think, maybe 1,000, 2,000 words, all about one semicolon. And it's amazing how much you can say about a semicolon. (laughs) But don't worry, if you don't like grammar, we're not talking about semicolons. As far as I know, there aren't any semicolons in Greek in the New Testament, so we're all right. We are just going to be looking at um, one verse and kind of one part of a verse. And amazingly, someone has actually written a whole book on this one verse. So John Bunyan, you might have heard of him. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and he was a famous Puritan preacher. And he actually wrote a whole seven chapters on this verse. So we're really going to dive into it. And you might be thinking, oh, what is this verse that we're talking about? Um, It's John chapter 6, so if you have a Bible, you might want to open that up. Um, It's verse 37, 
And the context of this verse is that it's the day after the feeding of the 5,000, and the crowds have been looking for Jesus uh, because they want him to do more miracles. And Jesus is preaching to the crowds, and he is telling them how he is the bread of life. He is the one who fulfills our needs and our, our spiritual hunger. So that is where we're at, and this is the verse. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And your translation might say something slightly different. It might say, I will never cast out, or I will never reject them, I won't turn anyone away, I will never drive them away. It's all the same sense of Jesus saying, I will never cast out anyone who comes to me. And I'm not (laughs) going to go into all the theological implications of this verse. Um, So I'm sorry if you were hoping that we were going to dive into predestination and the dynamics of the Trinity, which is what John Bunyan does, so you can read his book instead. Uh, We're really going to focus on the second half of the verse that says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And like I was saying, in lots of ways, it's a very, very simple truth. When we humbly come to Jesus... He never rejects us. He never turns us away, whether we're coming to him for the first time or whether we're coming to him for the millionth time. He is never going to turn us away. And we see this as a theme throughout the whole of the Bible. We see how when God's people come to him, he never rejects them. And yet, even though I would say, yeah, I know this truth, I know that Jesus loves me, I know, I've known that since I was very small, I remember writing out Bible verses about it, I know that he is never going to reject me, and yet, I can still often live with this nagging sense that maybe I'm not completely welcome with God. Maybe he's a little bit tired of me and my failures, and it's Like Adam was saying last week, we can so often live with this sense of maybe God is actually a bit disappointed in me. And if you don't feel like that this morning, that is great. I would encourage you, like whether you feel like that or not, to be asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you this morning uh, where you might not fully know the truth um, that Jesus will never reject you, that you would know it not just in your head, but know it in your heart as well. And I think this morning Jesus really wants to bring us reassurance today. As I was planning this, I was like, I keep writing the word reassurance, and I think Jesus really wants to reassure our hearts this morning. So before we dig in any further to um, the verse, I want to think about some reasons why we might feel like Jesus has rejected us or might reject us. So the subtitle of the book that has inspired the series, um, called Gentle and Lowly, which Adam mentioned last week, uh, the subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And I think this is a really, really helpful categories for thinking about, actually, when we're worried that Jesus might reject us in some way, it usually comes down to our feelings about either our own sin or our suffering, or maybe both of those things. 
So when it comes to our sin, it might be that you feel like you have been disqualified from God's welcome by what you've done in the past. Uh, it might be that you feel a real sense of shame. Uh, maybe you've come to God before, maybe you haven't come to God before, and you're wondering, am I really welcome? Can Jesus really forgive me? If he, known what I, if he knows what I've done, can he really welcome me? And if that's you this morning, then this message is for you. Jesus wants to welcome you. No matter how you've messed up, he wants to welcome you and free you from guilt and shame. It might be, actually, that you're like, no, the issue is, it's not that it's something I've done in my past. This is something I'm struggling with right now. I keep messing up. I keep doing the same thing again and again, and I feel stuck. And I feel like, you know, I take a few steps forwards, and then I take even more steps back. And you just feel trapped in your sin, in what you're struggling with at the moment in life. And if that's you, then this message is also for you this morning. Jesus welcomes you, even if you feel like you're stumbling around and you keep getting the same thing wrong. Uh, Jesus walks alongside you in that, and he wants to bring you into his love and freedom, and he will do that patiently, however much you feel like you're stumbling. Or it might be that you're sitting here and you're like, mm, I don't really feel like there's a specific sin I'm struggling with, or I don't feel like I'm having a major battle with anything at the moment. But maybe it is, like Adam was saying last week, you feel that sense of, oh, maybe sometimes I feel like God is disappointed in me. Or he's a bit fed up with me, a bit tired of me. And I know that one of the kind of narratives that I often have in my own head is that I'm like, oh, I should know better. I'm like, I've been a Christian for years now. I should know better. I should be more selfless. I should be praying more. I should be reading my Bible more. I should be doing all these things more. I just, I should be better. And that can actually become a barrier for me coming to God. Um, and if that's how you feel this morning, then this message is also for you. Uh, Jesus wants to reassure you of his acceptance for you um, and of his grace for you. That says he will never reject you, even when you feel like, oh, I should be doing better. That is not what God says to us. Or it might be, actually, that sin isn't the thing that you're feeling is a real struggle at the moment, but actually you're experiencing suffering in some way. You might be feeling a lot of pain or anxiety or a sense of emptiness, and you feel like maybe God has forgotten about you. Um, maybe you wouldn't say that, but maybe there's part of you that thinks that. And maybe you feel like, well, surely he must have rejected me, otherwise why would I be feeling like this? Maybe you feel like life is just too much for you and you feel like you've been abandoned. And if that is how you feel this morning, then this message is also for you. Jesus has not abandoned you and he wants you to come to him. And he welcomes you with your pain and he is there with you in your pain, wherever you're feeling. Or it might be actually that, again, you're like, no, I'm not feeling really low at the moment. Um, I'm not really struggling. I'm just plodding along in life. I feel like often that's what I'm doing. I kind of plod along. And maybe sometimes you feel a bit weary. Maybe you feel a bit tired. Um, maybe you feel a bit apathetic even, and you're like, oh, I just can't be bothered to keep trying. This is hard work. And it makes you kind of wonder if Jesus really has the time for you. And 
If that's you, then this message is also for you. <laughs> uh, you can come to Jesus even when you feel maybe a bit confused, when you feel tired, when you feel like you are just plodding along. He welcomes you right where you are right now in your, in your plodding, in your weariness. And again, I keep saying, this is what Adam said last week, but he said this last week, he said lots of good things last week, that our need is what qualifies us to come to Jesus. And you might feel like, actually, I don't know that I'm in any of those categories. I'm doing fine. I'm not really struggling. Um, and actually, some of us might sometimes struggle to recognize our own need. Um, Jesus didn't just come to the people who were really struggling. He didn't just come to the sinners and to the poor. He came to um, people who were more well-to-do as well. Um, so he, he met with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was... Um, yeah, he was a well-to-do kind of person, and he was a little bit um, wary. He came to Jesus in the night, and he had questions, and he didn't quite understand it, and yet Jesus welcomed him where he was. Um, so if you are struggling to recognize your need, um, then yeah, again, I just encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit where it is that you need to know that truth more deeply. So when we are feeling any of these things whether it's our sin or our suffering that makes us feel like Jesus might reject us. This verse gives us the most reassuring truth and hope um, that we don't have to earn his welcome. <laughs> so we simply recognize our need and we come to Jesus. So he doesn't say, whoever feels bad enough or whoever is trying really, really, really hard to be good or whoever begs for the most forgiveness, or for the most help, or whoever prays the most. He literally says, whoever comes to me. And I really like the way that Dane Ortland puts it in his book, Gentle and Lowly. He says, our strength of resolve is not part of the formula of retaining his goodwill. So our strength of resolve is not the point. <laughs> All we need to do to enjoy Jesus' love is to come to him. And I know that I've definitely struggled with that as someone who's a bit of a perfectionist. Um, I, growing up, I would have said, yeah, no, I'm not really a perfectionist. And the reason I thought this is that I would look at people around me and I'd be like, oh, they're just so good. Like, oh, they're so good at that. They're so perfect. I'd be like, I can't possibly be a perfectionist because I'm not perfect enough. And then at that point, I realized... Uh, that's exactly what a perfectionist would think. <laughs> and I think sometimes I can come to church on a Sunday ready to worship and I have a little voice niggling in the back of my head that kind of says, can you really come to Jesus to worship him right now because you haven't really talked to him very much this week. Isn't it a little bit hypocritical if you're coming here to worship, coming to Jesus and actually you've not really spoken to him very much? Or it can be I'm in the middle of worship and then suddenly I start thinking about something completely different, like what I'm going to be eating for lunch or um, something that's happened in the week. And then again, there's that little voice that's like, hmm, can you really come to Jesus when you're not even really particularly bothered by him, like you're not really very focused? And it's in those moments that I really need to be reminded that Jesus welcomes me as I am, it's not to do with my strength of resolve. It's all about him welcoming me. Another thing that is super reassuring 
that we find in this verse is that Jesus says he will never turn away. So he reassures us that he is the perfect friend. He doesn't have a forgiveness quota. Whereas, you know, human friends, we tend to have a limit to how much we are willing to put up with. Um, If someone goes too far, our walls go up. Um, But with Jesus, however many times we mess up, however many times we hurt him, he forgives us and he welcomes us when we come to him. Like, he really can love the very worst friend possible. (laughs) So I want you to do a little imaginary exercise with me. Imagine this friend, this worst friend. I just want to say I am not talking about any of my friends. (laughs) Do imaginary exercise. So, okay, imagine you have a friend who constantly misunderstands you, constantly misinterprets your words, a friend who says they trust you, but then actually shows a lot of signs that they don't really trust you. Imagine having a friend who is sometimes selfish and argumentative and is overly worried about other people's opinion of them, like strangers' opinion rather than your opinion of them as their friend. Imagine having a friend who just generally makes a lot of mistakes. Someone who disagrees with everything you are about sometimes and undermines things that you care about. Imagine having a friend who resists your kindness to them, having a friend who says that they're always going to be there for you and then leaves you. And then in your most desperate time of need, rather than being there for you and praying with you, decides to have a little nap. And then they abandon you and pretend that they don't even know you. Like, if that happened to you, you would probably be very offended and upset, and you probably wouldn't want to be friends with them anymore. But you might guess that I was actually talking about one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter. (laughs) So Peter often doesn't understand Jesus. He misinterprets his words and his parables, like the other disciples a lot of the time. He doesn't fully trust Jesus. Like, he doubts when he's walking on the water. He's filled with selfish ambition, and he argues with the other disciples about who is the greatest. And then he, he resists the single greatest reason that Jesus became human, uh, to die for us and to atone for our sins. Like Jesus, uh, Peter is not happy with this, and he is so not with Jesus on this that Jesus actually has to say to him, get behind me, Satan, which if your friend said that to you, you would probably be like, oh, no. He resists Jesus when Jesus wants to wash his feet and, you know, show him kindness. And then he fails to stand by Jesus in his darkest hour before he is, before Jesus goes to the cross. He falls asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane instead of praying with Jesus. Um, He is violent and cuts off one of the soldier's ears, which is the opposite of everything his friend has been telling him to do. And then he abandons Jesus and denies that he knows him with oaths and curses in public. And then he is so overwhelmed by his denial of Jesus that he decides to quit the apostolic team and go back to his job as a fisherman. And yet through all of that, Jesus doesn't reject him. He loves him and he restores him. And even after the resurrection... Um, when Peter is filled with the Spirit, 
and he's doing these amazing things. You'd think he was, he'd know what he was doing at this point. He still gets it wrong, and he pulls back from the Gentiles, and Paul has to have a word with him about it and say, you're being hypocritical. Um, so again and again, Peter gets things wrong, like really, really, really wrong. And yet Jesus doesn't reject him. He doesn't demote him from being a disciple or from being his friend. And he actually does the exact opposite. He gives him the responsibility of leading the church, which is just ridiculous and crazy when you think about that. Um, And just a side note, I feel like I need to say this, that I'm not saying that um, because Jesus welcomes us, that means that it doesn't really matter what we do. We can do whatever we want. Paul talks about this in Romans 6 when he says, you know, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? And he's like, by no means. (laughs) Um, And he talks about how we are slaves to sin without Jesus. And so there is a real reason why we follow Jesus and we obey him and he brings us freedom and joy. Um, But I think we can often talk about um, being formed by Jesus and actually we need to be reminded that even though we keep messing up, He wants to welcome us. Jesus also reassures us in this verse because he confronts our own suspicions of his heart. So I kind of wonder, when Peter heard that Jesus was risen, I wonder how he felt. And I imagine he felt overjoyed, but also afraid and ashamed after everything that he'd done. And something I'd never noticed before, um, in Mark 16, uh, it talks about how the the two Marys have come to the empty tomb, and the angels are there, and they say that Jesus is risen, and he's gone ahead of you into Galilee. And they say something really interesting. They say, go tell his disciples and Peter. And I don't think that's because Peter wasn't a disciple anymore, but... That must have been so reassuring to Peter, who would have been afraid and ashamed and thinking, surely he doesn't want me to come and see him. Like the other disciples, maybe, but I said I would never deny him. I denied him three times. Like, there's no way that I can come to him. But the angels specifically mention Peter. Jesus wants to see Peter. And we need, we need to hear that reassurance as well when we wonder if, um, you know, will he really welcome me? Uh, we need to hear Jesus say that he will never cast us out. And I think it's, it's really interesting because in the Greek, and again, I read this in a book. I haven't got a really good Greek. Um, <laughs> he says, I will not not cast out which doesn't really translate very well into English, Um, but he's emphasizing that he won't ever reject us. In the King's James Version, um, you might have heard it before, it says, I will in no wise cast out, which I quite like that phrase. I feel like it sounds quite poetic. Uh, But um, a more modern way of saying it would be, he never, ever rejects us. And as I've been like, kind of chewing over this truth, um, it's helped me realize a lot of things um, about my own fears of 
Jesus' heart to me and my own fear that maybe I'm not good enough. And I have been doing counselling for a while. In fact, I would really recommend counselling if you ever have thought about it. I've done it several times, and it's helped me so, so much. Um, but through my experience with counselling, I have realised that actually I sometimes have this lingering feeling that I don't really fit in. Um, and I think at school I really felt that. I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt a bit weird. And every now and then, um, I will feel really anxious. And sometimes it's because um, I feel like that sense of alienation and insecurity, of thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like, I don't really fit in. I'm a little bit weird. And as I've been looking at this verse, I've just been reminded how healing it is to know that in those moments when I feel anxious and insecure, that Jesus says to me that he welcomes me. And he's never going to say to me, mm, you're a little bit too weird for me today. I don't really want you anywhere near me. He is never going to make me feel alienated. He always wants to welcome me. And so when I feel that kind of negativity and these anxious thoughts, um, I, I have this picture of myself, which I realize it's going to sound a little bit hippie-ish, but bear with me. I picture myself walking into a circle of Jesus' love. So I have this kind of image in my head of dwelling with him and kind of, I don't know, somehow imagining the physicality of God's love around me helps me to step into his love and to remember that he isn't distant. He's literally right there. And when I feel anxious and alienated, I don't need to feel like that with Jesus. He welcomes me. And, you know, for you, it might not be anxiety. Um, it might be some other emotion, or it might be when you feel angry or sad, um, that you need to have one of those moments where you're like, ah, here I am. This is what God says about me. This is who God is. And finally, I think this verse is really, really reassuring to us because Jesus reminds us that well, this is the way Dane Orton puts it, that Jesus' heart is, is not just a rental. Jesus' heart is our permanent residence. So he is closer than we, we often imagine. And I have rented quite a lot in my life. I've never owned a property, so I'm used to renting. And I know how annoying it is when you have to move. And every time I move, I'm like, oh... There's so much stuff. And I say to myself, I just don't think I'm ever going to move again. I just can't ever move again because I have so much stuff. It's just too much effort. It's so tiring. I'm really sorry if you're moving right now. I've just realized. <laughs> I'm sure your move will be a lot easier than my moves have been. <laughs> um, but to know, actually, that Jesus is never going to say, okay, it's time for you to leave now. Um, he's never going to evict us. Like, if we fall behind on our rent, if we get coffee stains on the carpet, he is not going to reject us. We have a home in his heart. And there's a, as I was thinking about this, this prayer came to me, um, which I first heard when I was at school in an assembly. And at the time, I remember thinking it was a little bit of a funny prayer. And I... It maybe didn't help that as 
a class, we found the chaplain of our school quite funny. I really hope he doesn't ever listen to this. But his name was Reverend Pye. And he, he, was a really, he was a really lovely man, but I feel like there was something about him that was quite comical. And so when he read this prayer, no one really took him seriously. Um, but more recently, as I've been thinking about it, I'm like, oh, this is such a good prayer. Um, and it's a prayer of St. Patrick. You might have heard of it. And it starts with, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, and it goes on and on like that. And I find that so helpful to think of actually so often when we're worried that maybe Jesus might reject us is because we think that God isn't close when he's literally right with us, like he is all around us. Um, And it's like Adam shared last week, he talked about that image of um, Jesus knocking at the door and he says, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And we see that image again in, in John 15. Jesus says, you know, when, when we love him, he says that he and the Father will come to them and make our home with them. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, we really can be sure that we have permanent residence with him. And I'm going to read out another quote. I feel like at this point I was just getting carried away with quotes, but there are just some, this is a really juicy quote, I think. Um, A woman called Jane Williams, um, who wrote the book, The Merciful Humility of God, who I may or may not have met yesterday, but that is another story that you can ask me about. Um, And she says in her book, the life of Jesus means that we can turn and find God beside us everywhere. And she talks about recognizing the humble God who is at our side. And she goes on to say, the patterns of God's ways are so strange, so intimate, that we can miss them altogether and feel ourselves alone and abandoned and having to find our own way home, if indeed there is any home to go to. Yet all the time, it is a heartbeat away. And when she says that it's the patterns of God's ways are strange, I think she's saying that this idea that we can be close to God is so radical. And even though we hear it at church a lot, it's still radical because <laughs> it still changes our lives every day. And it, this was also making me think of one of my favorite films, um, The Wizard of Oz, which hopefully everyone has watched. If you haven't, you definitely need to watch it. Um, and throughout the, the film, Dorothy is on her adventure and she is facing all these challenges and she goes through all this stuff. And then at the end, it turns out that all she needs to do to get home is to tap her magic slippers and then she will be back home in a couple of seconds. And she says, um, when she kind of sums up what she's learned, she says, it's that if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard. And I was like, ah, oh, I feel like that is how we can be with God sometimes. We make it really complicated, and we can think there are all these things we need to do, and oh, can I come to Jesus because I haven't sorted out that bit of my life yet? And Jesus is literally right there. When we come to him, he welcomes us, and he's really with us all the time. So I, I want to finish by reading um, the quote that kind of inspired this bit about permanent residence. 
uh, by Dane Nordland. And he says, for those united to him, the heart of Jesus is not a rental. It is your new permanent residence. You are not a tenant, you are a child. His heart is not a ticking time bomb. His heart is the green pastures and still waters of endless reassurances of his presence and comfort, whatever our present spiritual accomplishments. It is who he is. So I'm going to ask Hamish to strum away in the background. Um, I'm going to read out some truths, basically variations on this verse. Um, and I would really encourage you to, to ask the Holy Spirit where you maybe have some insecurities in this area, whether you are feeling in pain and you feel like maybe God has forgotten you and you need to be reassured that he is right there with you, um, whether it is that you feel shame or you just feel that kind of sense of insecurity sometimes of feeling like maybe it's a little bit more complicated than it is and actually you need to know that Jesus is right there with you um, and then after I have read out some of these truths um, there will be a chance to be prayed for by the people around you um, and will worship as well so I'll just pray for us first Lord Jesus I thank you so much that you welcome us Thank you that you are right here with us now. Thank you that we can come to you, whether we've come to you millions of times before or we've, we've never come to you and we don't really know you. Lord, we want to come to you now. Holy Spirit, come. Speak these truths into our hearts. Help us to know them, not just in our heads to really know your closeness to us, to really know your acceptance and your welcome. So you might want to put your hands out as a sign that you are open to God and that you're receiving these truths or just whatever you find helps you connect with God. It might be helpful to close your eyes as well just to really focus on these truths. Jesus says, I will never drive you away. I will never reject you. I will never cast you out. I will never turn you away. I will never throw you out. I will never get tired of you. I will never ignore you. I will never get bored of you. I will never tell you to go away. I am always here to welcome you. I will never, never drive you away. I will never, ever reject you. I will never cast you out. I will never turn you away. I will never throw you out. I will never, ever get tired of you. I will never, ever ignore you. I will never, ever get bored of you. I will never, ever tell you to go away. I am 
always here to welcome you when you come to me.